0: Don't call it a combback I'll have hair for years.
1: Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, Rub my glasses, I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city Let's before go. I leave. Brush my teeth with a bottle of jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking
2: Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. I have literally no
0: idea what happens in Candy's briefs. I've just been told that it's good. This is the Press Box. And tell me, Tyler, where did you hear that? Jared. I can neither confirm nor deny. With Graney and Bischoff. Ed Graney actually figured out what was in Candy's briefs, and he was happy.
2: On ESPN Las Vegas.
1: Let's not go crazy about that and insinuate something. ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. It's Ed, Tyler, and Jared. Fly the flag. Let's go.
0: The first bite.
3: I wasn't ready. How long should the grainy household fly their Baylor flag?
1: Uh, be down today. No today. What? Nice safe spot. Well, I mean, when you win like that, come on. I mean, it's a, you don't want to rub it in people's faces. Yes, uh, you do. What are no, you talking about? No, no, no. Can I you, might raise. I might take it over to your house. You picked Gonzaga by fifteen. I'm going to take it over to your house and stand yes, outside. Yes, you should.
3: It. You uh, should.
1: Could you? At least, I'm, I, I'm not sure. Could I'm you? Not sure. It, huh. Go ahead.
3: At least wear it as a cape on your afternoon run. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would be that would be a little obnoxious. Uh, no, I don't. Yeah, I, welcome that is welcome not to up the to show. Me. That is not up to me. That is up to uh, the young uh, the young lad. So he'll decide when he takes it down. I have nothing to do with that decision. Not even twenty four hours of the flag being uh, displayed outside the house. He'll probably keep it up for a while. He's. I don't know if he slept yet. He's probably still up texting people. <laughs> or his roommates who are still in Waco. Uh so I don't know if he's left. He'll probably leave it up for a while. He can leave it up as long as he wants. He was uh he was over the moon stoked, so he'll he'll leave it up I mean, as long as he wants. I don't I, I don't, don't make decisions in my house. Certainly not that one. You should leave it up until Baylor loses a basketball game again. <laughs> <laughs> uh no, nah, we'll see. I mean it was uh it's an enormous monstrosity and we almost <laughs> uh we almost uh crash each time we come in the garage. So I That's guess right. we'll I leave it up until safety someone crashes. I forgot. Yes, I forgot yeah. it's a safety hazard for your it whole family. Is, it is a safety hazard. So, <laughs> until someone crashes like the wife into the house, uh, it'll probably fly proudly for the sun. Someone's going to drive through the garage yes. door because of that flag. <laughs> it's going to be great. Uh, so, um, I said
0: Gonzaga by 15 yesterday. So, how shocked are you that Baylor not only won, yeah. but blew
1: Gonzaga out for the entirety of the game? I'm completely shocked. Um, I was, you know, I think it was like, 13 with 13 minutes left and um my son wasn't here he was off watching it with friends from baylor but my wife and i are sitting there and she's like oh my god they're gonna win i'm like oh it's not over it's not over because i just assumed they would make a run like i always sat there thinking oh they're gonna make a run it's gonzaga they're gonna you know, hit a few threes they'll get out in transition and baylor will get a little tight and it never happened and When Vital made the block and the other kid hit the three at the end, then it was over at 16. But, no, I I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked that they they beat him like that. I'm probably really, really surprised they won, never mind beat him like that. The most surprising part to me was that in the half court, Gonzaga
0: could not drive past anyone. They could not get dribble penetration, especially the first 10 minutes. I think the second half they got some more, and maybe that's because Baylor was a little turned off. But the first 10 minutes of that game – Gonzaga could not drive past anyone. Now, I do think I do think Baylor was using um, the defensive strategy of the refs are not going to call a foul on every possession because right. they were they like every single time somebody picked up the ball, they were reaching in, and if you paid attention to guys that had the ball in the perimeter, every defender would just put their hand on the Gonzaga guy's hip. And be like, you're not driving this way. That's a foul. Right. But they basically had the strategy of, well, the refs aren't gonna call a foul on every possession. And that's why Gonzaga shot so many free throws, and that's why Gonzaga or Baylor had so much foul yeah. trouble in the first half, is because they were legitimately fouling them most of the time. But they were they were suffocating. They were so much more physical, and they suffocated them that in the half court Gonzaga couldn't do anything. They got in the second half a little bit more in transition, but they they could This is that has been Gonzaga had been one of the greatest teams in the history of the sport at creating layups. One of the best oh, we yeah. have ever yeah. seen at creating layups on offense, and Baylor did not let them do it in the half court. Mm. Baylor did not let Gonzaga get the layups they're used to getting in the half court. And that that to me was the most shocking thing that we saw Gonzaga's offense mm-hmm. this entire year. Just nothing was ever a problem. They could always get layups. Even against UCLA, it wasn't the offense that had a problem. They got tons of layups in that game, but Baylor just completely took those away from
1: them. Yeah. Yeah, they I mean for what, thirty-one games they were I don't want to say given complete freedom, but they were not, you know, they were like not uh, manned up like that and they just couldn't handle it. And you're right. They, you know, how many times over the season, did you see either Kispert or Timmy, you know, uh, make a cut or cut back door and and, and get these layups or, you know, Suggs take someone off the dribble and Baylor, those three kids, man, those three guards. I I, I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, because of the pandemic, um, until the tournament, I mean, I'd watched a few games, but not a lot because of the pandemic. And I bet a lot of people, I'm sure a lot of people last night, had heard about how good those three guards were. But you saw them last night, and they're terrific. They're ter- It's like Drew kind of joked afterwards in the postgame, uh, answering to Nance. He said, we're pretty good defensively. I mean, the way they recover and and help and, and, and just get in people's faces with Mitchell and those guys, that was really impressive. And I, I do think it was also funny. Um, I think it was Barkley afterwards. I'm not sure. Uh, you can tell me if you heard this. Yeah, I think it was Barkley who said, you know, they've got a weight room at Baylor because those guys just physically took Gonzaga out of it. Even the guards. I mean, you look at, you look at Davion Mitchell, like he looks like a, like a free safety in the NFL. They are so like physical and strong those kids. So yeah, I mean, they Gonzaga, they were never really in it, Uh, made a few runs, but I think got to single digits and it went right back up and impressive, impressive win. I had no clue. They could do that at all. I mean, I thought like I said yesterday to you, I wanted it to be one possession. I wanted it to be close. Like you didn't want to blow out. It's like, ah, make it a really good game. No clue they could do that to Gonzaga's offense. I was amazed. It, it was the opposite. You were, yeah, it was you the were opposite. hoping Baylor yeah. was going to be good enough to keep it from being to a
3: blowout. Close. Yeah.
0: To keep it from yeah. Gonzaga winning by 20. And instead Baylor was like, Yeah, we're gonna be up by yeah. 10 after 45 seconds. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's never gonna be closer than nine yeah. the rest of the game. Um so We talked about Gonzaga in a historical context and how good they had been this season and where they belong. So where does Baylor belong? Because they lose two games on the year. And uh, listen, had it not been for them going on about a 20-day pause because of COVID, they might have gone undefeated because they weren't good when they came back from COVID. I mean, they were good, but they weren't like top five team in the country good when they came back. From COVID, so where what are you what are we doing with Baylor, especially after how dominant I mean, they were in the NCAA tournament?
1: Well, I know you love them because because the, they're such great three point shooters, and they were really good for three point and defensively. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I remember every defensive team of the great teams, but they're pretty damn good defensively. I mean, obviously, you know you can go back through time and find great defensive teams, but those guys are really good. It's a great question. I, I don't know if, you know, they one of the best all times? It's it's hard. We did that with UNLV and, you know, teams that didn't win it in different eras. And is it fair to compare? And, you know, uh, you know, like we said, Dan Wetzel's comment the other day, um, about Gonzaga saying UNLV of 91 would blow them out. He'd probably say the same thing about Baylor, but after last night, I don't know. I don't know if he'd say they blow them out. I mean, I think UNLV would win the game. um, I just think they're a great, great team for this year, um, and you know, like you, you, you made the best point with the pause. It was such a, it was such a weird year with all this stuff. I don't know if you can start comparing errors. I mean, there was nothing ever like this. I mean, uh, you know, in terms of pauses and, and teams having weeks off and everything, there's never been anything like this. So to win it the way they did in that kind of year, I would just say they're they're an incredible team for this year. They, if you look at their tournament
0: run. Baylor's tournament run might be one of the best that we've seen, most dominant, because they they won their first-round game by 24, and then they beat Wisconsin by 13, Villanova by 11, Arkansas by 9, Houston by 19, and Gonzaga by 16. And outside of their first-round game against Hartford, every other team they played is a Ken Palm top-20 team this year, and the closest anybody got was Arkansas by 9. Like, even UNLV in their championship run, they had a two-point win over Ball State. They had a nine-point yeah, win State. over Georgia yeah. Tech. Like They had two single-digit wins. Uh, Baylor only had one this year, and it was by nine. And then in the Final Four, you beat Houston by 19 and Gonzaga by 16. That's, that's one of the most dominant two games in the Final Four I think you'll ever see based on how good Houston and Gonzaga were this season and how easily Baylor dismissed them because in both of those games – it wasn't a, hey, they're winning by 6-7 and they push the lead up in the final five minutes. They were beating both Houston and Gonzaga by yeah. 15 to 20 points for the entirety of those games.
1: Like, they dominated it, those games from start to finish. Yeah, that's the thing. They were over so fast. And that Houston game, Houston, you know, Houston, I think the moment was they just couldn't hang with them. I Gonzaga was just all, they were just all out of sorts. And we talked about this yesterday, and, I, and it's... It, you know, you don't want to bring this up because then you don't want to make an you don't want to take away even a 1% of what Baylor did. I mean, they were incredible. But I know the guys on the on the TV um halftime and pregame said this. And may, I think maybe Nance and, and Grant Hill might have said this as well. Like was there an emotional carryover? I I don't even want to put that out there cuz Baylor dominated them. It wasn't even close. But I think a couple people and it might have been Raftery who did bring up to try to bounce back from that UNLV win. Can you do that? Are you emotionally spent? And then here's the thing. Even if they were emotionally spent, they got hit in the mouth so fast, it's almost like they obviously they just never recovered. I don't know if that had anything to do with it because, again, like I said, I don't want to take away from anything Baylor did because it was just ridiculously good. But, you know, let me throw that out there. Do you think that had anything to do with it? I don't know that it was. uh, they were emotionally drained.
0: I think Baylor just – I think they were shocked at how good Baylor was to start that game. And how difficult it was for Gonzaga to get the easy shots they're used to uh in the half court. I think that was the bigger problem is Gonzaga has the entire season against anyone they've played. They've had no real problem getting to the rim. They've had their defense has had some bad games, but their offense had not had a bad game the entire season. And in the first five minutes of the game, they couldn't get a layup in the half court. And I think that sort of stunned them, and all of a sudden it's eleven to one because Gonzaga's got more turnovers than layups, which is never happening. And I think that stunned him. And and by the time it's eleven to one, I mean if it's if you get down by ten, once you make your run at the end of the first half, you're only down by nine again. Like that's it it's back to where you were after two two minutes. So I think it was more about Baylor just being unbelievably good in those first four or five minutes and much better than Gonzaga.
1: I don't know if it was an emotional carryover, though. I mean I thought I really thought at halftime when they got to within 10, it was going to be close because I thought and I think those guys said, I mean, look, if they don't shoot a bunch of free throws and, you know, that's that's part of the game. I get that. And Baylor got in foul trouble uh, that a lot of people are like, man, they should be up 18 to 20. You know, they, this is Gonzaga. You know, he's got to be in the and say, hey, we're right there. And, you know, they're only up 10. We made the run. And that was and they come out right away in the first possession, hit a three to go 13. And then they just never looked back. That that surprised me. When it was ten at halftime, I'm like, all right, I don't know if Gonzaga is winning, but they're they're making a run here. This is gonna be a good second half. And it never was. And credit Baylor. That was, like I said, they came out, and hit a three the first the first very first possession. I'm like, wow. And then it just they just ran away. Yeah, and that I mean, three pointers are the are the other issue. Gonzaga couldn't come back. They yeah, couldn't, couldn't make
0: one. Like they if you're gonna come back from double digits, you're gonna have to go on like a nine zero run at some point where you hit three threes on three possessions and. Gonzaga shot, I think, like twenty nine percent from three in that game, while Baylor was almost at fifty. Like you, you, yeah. if you, if you're, you can erase big deficits in college basketball. We see it all the time. Yeah. But if you're going to do it, you have to be able to hit consecutive threes. And Gonzaga was a great three point shooting team, and last night they were under thirty percent. And that's sort of that's sort of the story of college basketball now. I thought Gonzaga yeah. was three point proof. I thought this was a team that was good enough offensively; they could get to the rim and pretty much do whatever they want. Uh, yeah. But Baylor was good enough defensively that if Gonzaga didn't make threes, they had zero chance at coming back to win that. All right, coming up next, uh, the Golden Knights snapped their losing streak. Are they back?
1: And it's a 2-1 lead for the Knights. It's the Press
2: Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 11 a.m. and 100.9 FM.
0: Golden Knights won last night. They beat the Blues 6-1. And I've got to say, Ed, before we talk anything about the Golden Knights, I do need to say thank you to the Golden Knights because they played the perfect possible game on Monday. They start at 5 p.m. The National Championship game starts at 6.30. And by the time the National Championship game was starting, The Golden Knights had taken a 5-1 lead because they had scored three goals in approximately 90 seconds right before Gonzaga and Baylor were tipping off. They could not have timed that more perfectly. That was spectacular work by the Golden Knights. Nobody needed to pay attention to the last 30 minutes of that hockey game because it was 5-1 and then 6-1, and nobody comes back from 6-1. Wonderful job, and I couldn't be more proud of the Golden Knights. Honestly, their best game they've ever played.
1: Well... I think a secondary assist must go to Huso, who stinks, uh, the uh, St. Louis goalie. He gets the secondary assist on that. I don't know. The primary, (laughs) I I guess, goes to uh, all the guys. who The dirty work, Tyler. Got in front of the net. Got some dirty work in front of the net. Uh, And then uh, backup goalie for St. Louis kind of played right into his role as well. Side note, on the the blue side of this,
0: they've now lost seven in a row. The Coyotes are ahead of them in the playoff race for the fourth spot and money puck.com says the st louis blues have a six percent chance to make the playoffs right now amazing six percent like we're, we're again if we go back to the start of the regular season and honestly the first 10 15 games of the season the st louis blues were considered okay they're there with the golden yeah. knights they're there with the colorado avalanche and now they have like a six and a half percent chance to make the playoffs. Yeah. And by the way, the, the Kings have a 5.9%. Chance yeah. To make well, the playoffs. like, that's uh, where the blues yeah, are. They're they're
1: on the fair. level of the Kings. Look, it's unbelievable that, how far they've fallen. Not only that, I guess it's my point. Uh, they're both at 38. Um, how are you tied with the Shang Pings of the world? How bad has that team been? And you're tied with the Shang Pings. When you're tied with the Shang Pings of the world right, right. now, uh, you are having a terrible, terrible season. So, that's the surprise. I don't think Minnesota's a surprise. Everyone thought they'd be good. I actually even think people thought Arizona um, with their goalie. I mean, they were going to be – they could, like, challenge for the four spot. So I don't think that's as much a surprise. But St. Louis is the shocker of the uh, the big Honda Honda West division because, you know, they, they beat the Golden Knights, I, I believe, on a shootout, right, to start the year. It was the first game they played. And even then, it's like, all right, there's a team. You know, Colorado's probably the best team, but this team could, you know, maybe challenge the Knights for second and all that. And it's just been a disaster. I knew they hadn't been playing well, but I was watching the first period last night really early on when uh, the guy said they'd lost six straight. And I'm like, man, I knew they weren't playing well, but I didn't know they were that bad right now. Like, I yeah. that was like, they've lost six straight. And uh, they're not very good. Uh,
0: so, by the way, the San Jose Sharks uh, right now have the fourth best odds in the West to make the playoffs. Wow. They're at 51% they're they're ahead of Arizona in odds to make the playoffs and I think that's cuz they got games in hand and I think their their end of the season schedule is much easier than Arizona but it, it, listen if the sharks make the playoffs that is going to be unbelievable for San oh. Jose
1: to pull that off cuz that team is bad that team is not good at this sport I mean I don't if that happens and the and the matchup we think is going to occur between the Golden Knights and Minnesota Good luck who then has to play Colorado, who will probably have <laughs> two weeks of rest because that thing will be over fast. So uh, Colorado has rested two weeks. Now you get to go to the Altitude in Denver and play them. So, yeah, that's if they finish fourth, well, I mean, y- you set it off. I mean, it's just not a good division after like two or three, after three teams. It's not very good. So, you know, that's where the Golden Knights, I think, and Colorado to, to a large extent, um, they kind of feasted on these bad teams and just compiled enough points We're like, all right, they're making the playoffs. Now it's just going to be a fight for fourth. That's how bad the division is. Uh, so I look, I just want the Sharks. We can have Shangping on every day during the series with Colorado. <laughs> That's really the only reason I don't care. You know, ah, the Kings, I get it. They're fading. I'm not gonna, you know, I got to stand up for the prediction. They're fading. So if it can't be the Kings, I certainly want Shangping over Arizona or St. Louis. And we have no, we have no connections to those teams. Well, of course, give us Shang-Pang as Peng. much Shang-Pang yeah. as we can get. I mean, granted, it'll yes. be
0: four, four games of Shang-Pang, well, but we'll take fall. four games of Shang-Pang over yeah. anybody else. We
3: would like a lot of little time with Shang-Pang.
0: That's right. Small <laughs> small doses of Shang-Pang. Um, so, by the way, this this was a fun stat from last night's game. The Golden Knights had 15 players record a point last night, uh, which is a team record. You You skate 18 guys plus a goalie, so basically everybody had a point. The guys did not have a point, though, were Cody Glass, Shea Theodore, and Ryan Reeves. And I just feel like Cody Glass and Ryan Reeves are not allowed to do anything offensive. They're just banned from doing anything offensive when you have a game where 15 guys record a point and neither one of those
1: two were able to do it. I sort of wanted Leonard to get a point. Well, okay. I'm going to be honest with
0: you, Ed. He could say that I had
1: a point and Cody Glass did not.
0: Well, that would have been fun. But I am cheering for Robin Leonard to score a goal before Marc-Andre Fleury.
1: Oh, come on now. we got to be positive. Because
0: Fleury, ha- Fleury has come out and said he wants to score a goal. And every time Fleury's in net and the other team pulls the goalie, we're on Flurry watch because Fleury yes. will actually shoot it. Yes. I I am hoping that Robin Leonard does it first because I think that will bring a lot of entertainment to this uh, team.
3: What, what happens first? Does Fleury finally score a goal, or does Zach Grinke steal his 10th base?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Oh, yeah. Zach Grinke steals a base. Are you sure? He's, he's, he never yeah, gets it. He's not game. good at it. He doesn't, I, I think he steals a base. I want Look, I just want to be at the game... He gets caught stealing a lot. Jared, <laughs> he's 9 wanna, of 10 in his career. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be at the game where it's an empty net at the other end, Fleury shoots it, it's 50-50, and I just want to be excited because I might look down and see everyone in the press box standing up, leaning forward, <laughs> which would be really cool. Cause the excitement, just a- if that guy ever scored a goal, are you kidding me? It would be <laughs> off the charts. Uh, Come on. The press box erupts. Wait, is it yes. supposed to do that? Yes. Oh, if that guy scored a goal, uh, who just fell out of the press box? Wait, did he jump? What happened? Excited?
0: Whoa. Listen, it'd probably be Willie Ramirez. Cause didn't Willie drop his phone during one of the games this year? I do believe Pops Ramirez dropped. I think think his phone dropped. He dropped his phone over the edge of the press box. Thank God there were no fans in the arena. He might have taken one out with his phone falling on top
1: of him. That's funny you said that because for some reason, I don't know why, and I probably shouldn't say this, but during the National Anthem the other day, I was tossing my keys up and down, (laughs) like catching them. And I almost missed them, and they went over, but they didn't go over. I caught them, but then I leaned over. I'm like, well, at least there's people down there now, so that dude can just throw them back up to me. Why are you tossing your – what is this, some sort of game? no i just you know i thought i'd lost i thought i left them in the car or i thought i left them in the security down below when you go through security and you got to put everything in the, in the bin and everything but i found them so i was excited because i'm like oh my god are they gonna lose my keys do my wife have to come and deliver keys for the car <laughs> so i found them and i just started kind of tossing them you know as you do in the air just to you know be excited yes, but you do. i kind of slipped at one point and i'm like man <laughs> if these go over that guy down there it's not a very far throw up at least he will be able to throw them up to me now I might hit him in the head and, you know, salmonash.com, 8201234, and all of a sudden I'm in court. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I do think Willie's phone went down, but I there were not fans there, I believe. No, like, I don't think I, there were fans there.
0: I, I, I've got to know because you, you were excited to find your keys. I understand you toss them up yeah. in the air and grab them out of excitement. But you yeah. make it sound like you were tossing these keys up in the air for
1: like three or four minutes. No, 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 no. I no, Just a couple times. Just, just the excitement of having them. No, it wasn't that way. But I tossed them enough to where I'm almost slipped. And I had to look over and I go, oh, there's good. There's fans. There. And The fans below the press box, I guess it has to be level four, right? Because we're level five. They're pretty close. Like I didn't I didn't remember them being that close. So as long as I didn't hit him in the head, I think he would have tossed them back up to me.
0: Maybe, but you also might have hit him in the head, and yeah, you would have, you yes. would have been going to court <laughs> uh, having that. to pay this guy, however much his medical damages were, because you gave him a concussion from your exactly, keys. But exactly. I, I will say, the T-Mobile press box, I've been concerned that I'm going to knock things over the edge, too. Like, I've absolutely been yeah. concerned about that. So it's not, like, uncommon. Well, no. I don't know how often it's happened, but it's not, like, crazy to think things would go over, but you no, over there tossing your no. keys... I mean, that's a little, let's let's just not toss the keys around, Dad, and things might go a little bit
1: better. Well, wow.
3: What are you supposed to do during the National Anthem?
1: Well, not scream D, out, Jared. Nights. I know that, not scream out nights. Take me oh. in the press box. All well, right. I,
3: I was told I wasn't, well, I'm not allowed to do my normal thing. I was told I'm not allowed to drink in the press box.
0: <laughs> that's true. You probably shouldn't do that. Coming up next. Mike Grimala joins the show.
2: Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Graney and Bischoff.
0: <clears throat> Joining us now from the Las Vegas sun is Mike Grimala. Mike, how are you this morning?
2: Hey, Mike. I am good. I'm up and I'm ready to go. What are we talking about?
0: Uh, how much How much vindication should Marvin Menzies feel because Jonathan Chawachachuwa won a national championship?
2: Hey, I, he, he looked good. like he I don't know if uh, they put quite, I don't know if Marvin Menzies would have put quite the pieces around Jonathan Chawachatua <laughs> that Taylor did over the years. but hey, Marvin Menzies, uh, you know, Jonathan Chawachachuwa, Maury Hardy, um, Bryce Hamilton, you know, he, he wasn't doing the, uh, he was doing all right in terms of the, the player, adding players to the roster. I think at the end, it, it seems like.
1: Well, I want to ask this because we talked about this yesterday and I, obviously Drew does a really good job and, um, I, I, I'm certain that he had a conversation with Marvin about, okay, tell me about this kid and what can he do. And Tyler said yesterday, he does a really good job playing a role. From what you remember at UNLV and what you've seen the last, you know, three or four days, you know, did you, you know, was it Drew who did this? Was it, did he always kind of, you know, have what he did in terms of the role he played for Baylor? What, what do you think happened with this kid from then to now?
2: I think one thing you have to absolutely say about Marvin Menzies is he always had an eye for big men, especially raw big men who didn't quite know all the finer points of the game, but had the physical capabilities. You can go back to his time at New Mexico state. You know, he was always getting, you know, pretty good big men. Um, and he was developing them and, uh Jonathan Shamwachatra was another guy who he brought in who was completely raw, couldn't really do anything except, you know, run and jump and, and be big. But you could see it was all there. Like, he was huge. He was athletic. He could get up and down the court way, way faster than a guy his size should be able to. Um, he was thick. His body was great. Uh, and he, he had feet. His, his feet moved. Like, he could actually um, move from one side of the lane to the other. He All the physical attributes were there. He just needed to be developed into a... A basketball player, and I think Marvin Menzies probably started that process because that's something Marvin is quite good at. And he had Shamwa Chachwal for a full year, and then uh, I'm sure Drew and and Baylor did the the same thing because you know they're good coaches as well. So I think it's Marvin definitely deserves a lot of credit for finding him and picking him and saying, "Hey, this kid can be a good Division One player," Um, and his track record proves that.
0: Uh, here's a trivia question for you. Uh, how many fouls per 40 minutes did Jonathan Chomachachua average at UNLV? Well,
2: that's a good question. Um, I don't think it was quite on on the Dwayne Morgan level, but I'll put him right under that. Say like <laughs> six, 6.5, six and a half.
0: Man, you are on it. 6.6 is where Jonathan Chomachachua oh. was. For uh, fouls per 40 minutes. i, I got to go look up the Dwayne Morgan numbers, but I know since then the only players to have more fouls per 40 minutes are Reese Brown and Vitaly Schiebel.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's that's a young guy thing. Like, that's, you know, he'll, he, well, except for Dwayne Morgan. Not to bag on Dwayne Morgan. That's not uh, why I called in today. But uh, most <laughs> players, that's a stat that usually gets better over time. So, uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Let's see oh listen, listen, listen. Dwayne Morgan, six point four as a freshman. Now he got up to seven point one in his second year, so a little bit worse. But Dwayne Morgan and, and Jonathan John will both had foul trouble. But it's about yeah, the
2: same. They, they played defense like a, like a middle linebacker. They just yeah. they see the ball, they tackle the ball.
1: <laughs> what do you um well I, I you've been reporting on all the commitments as well, so take us through at least now it does appear like you know it's not it might not be this way the whole way through but he's getting power five kids who haven't played a lot kevin Kruger. uh and in that instance there is obviously some mystery and some you know i don't think anyone can say hey they're gonna be great because you don't really know but kids have been known in this league to come down from conferences and actually played pretty well in this league so what have you thought about as recruiting so far and take us through the kids you think actually right now could make a difference
2: yeah, it's tough because, like you said, these kid, they're, they're, they seem to be targeting kids who were, you know, recruits of, you know, some regard who never really got a chance, or for some reason or another, didn't play like full minutes, full starters minutes at their previous stops at power power conference schools. Now they're sort of—they like the the scouting reports, they like the physical attributes. Now they're going to see if they can produce, you know, once they you know bump down a level of. You know, we'll have to see how it goes. I know Tyler is always all, every time I get excited about a lower level recruit who's coming up to the Mountain West, Tyler always <laughs> says he's not going to be as good as his numbers were at the last level. And uh, he's usually right. So we'll see how it goes the other way around now that UNLV is trying to get some of these, you know, post type prospects who were big deals at one point, never really panned out at big time programs. But now, you know, at the Mountain West, maybe these big men, you know, uh, Royce Ham. Victor Victor Ibu Acor, maybe these guys have, you know, give them a little more room to run, give them some time to develop, a little bit lesser competition. Maybe you can get more production out of guys like that.
0: So three guys are in. The roster's not done yet. Obviously, a guy like Bryce Hamilton could come back. I assume they're going to add some more players. But are you expecting next year the roster to be better than what the season ended with?
2: You know, a lot of that is going to depend on Bryce Hamilton. If he comes back, I would say probably, you know, almost certainly the roster is going to be more talented in terms of, you know, athleticism and quickness and speed, because they didn't really have any of that last year. Um, if Bryce Hamilton doesn't come back, I'm, I'm not kidding, like that was a they put together a different kind of roster last year with different goals in mind. They wanted a skilled, smart you know, roster that could pass and think the game, and they sort of turned um, their back on some of the stuff that you think about, you know, just playing above the rim, physicality, rebounding, athleticism, they didn't really recruit for that. And it didn't really it didn't work out. And so they, I think you see uh, it's not going to be a hard bar to clear. It's not going to be tough to be more, like, talented, just like, purely athletically talented than last year's team. So I think that's definitely something that, that could happen when they're done, you know, finishing putting together this roster.
1: We have not heard – Tyler and I were talking about this yesterday. Well, we've not heard anything on Mbake Jong. A lot of stuff happens after the NSA tournament. I get that. So in the next two weeks, we're really going to see guys either transfer or stay or whatever. Have not heard anything about him. Is there any chance in your mind that David Jenkins, now in the portal, re- rethinks it and actually stays what, – what about those two? What happens with those two players, you think? Well,
2: Mbake Zhang is a guy who wants to play professionally. I know that when he came to UNLV um, – one of the main reasons why he chose UNLV was because Marvin uh, didn't want him to redshirt. He was going to let him play right away as a freshman. So when you make that decision, when that's one of your primary factors in choosing your school four years ago, that you don't want to waste any time at the college level, that makes me question whether Mbake wants to come back for a fifth year. Um, but then, you know, it's not like he's a, a hot draft prospect. You know, he's probably an overseas you know kind of guy, if that. So, you know, there's a, always a chance he comes back. He's, he's a guy, he always gives the impression that he enjoy, he's enjoying his college experience. So well, maybe, but anytime you've got your degree already, it's like you're fighting a battle to get that guy back on campus. Same thing with David Jenkins, who, you know, he's been in college for four years now. He's got his degree. Um, he's, if T.J. Altenberger was still the coach, David Jenkins would not be back next year. That was already written. But I know that he likes Kevin Krueger. Uh, I think Kruger likes him. I think they want him back. I think they would definitely take him back. They're trying to re-recruit him back, and I think Jenkins is open to that. Um, but he's a guy who, you know, he enjoyed the draft, pro- the recruiting process last time. He was a transfer. You know, he got um, last time it was Gonzaga and Oregon, and those he's he's from Tacoma, so like those Northwest schools were. Um, that was a bit, I, probably a big deal for him to have those schools vying for him. So we'll have to see once he goes through the process again. I expect him to do the visits and um, fully play out the recruiting process. But I do think there's a chance that he, he might come back to UNLV.
1: Real quick here, given what you saw then, and it was Gonzaga and Oregon last time, given what you saw, he can really shoot the ball, I get that, but what is the level now? Do, do those level schools go back to him, or do you think because of what you saw at UNLV, it's more, I don't know, Washington State, and you know, it's a more lower power five?
2: I'm not sure. We haven't. I haven't seen any reports on uh, schools that have offered him or interested in him. I don't know if you guys have. I haven't seen anything on that yet. Um, I think it just depends what you're looking for as a coach. Like if you're Oregon and you need a shooter, like David Jenkins is one of the best shooters around. You're not going to find many many guys better than him with a, a consistent year to year track record of making three pointers. Um, and the same thing, like, with Gonzalez, like, you've got to look at your roster for next year and, hey, do we need to bring in a one-year guy who's just going to make threes all year? And if that's something you want on your team, then you can talk yourself into, well, you know, we'll play team defense and we'll really coach him up on that end and we'll, we won't we will give him the, the toughest assignments. And you can kind of talk yourself into everything else because the shooting is so good. Like, he's every year he's over 40% on really high volume. And that's maybe the most valuable skill you could have in college. We saw last night in the title game, it's like, yeah, Baylor looked great at everything, but the game was really just three-point shooting. They made their threes, missed them, and that's why Baylor won. Like three-point shooting is everything, and that's what Jenkins can give you.
0: Uh, what condiment would you consider putting on your hot dogs if you had to put one on a hot dog? Oh,
2: none. They all hot dogs. Did none of them seem good? Like for <laughs> how is <laughs> mustard gonna like? No, I've never had mustard. I don't know quite what it tastes. But how is that going to make a hot dog better? Like how, how would you know? You have never, never had, had it. mustard. <laughs> like if you look at you look at relish, you look look at a jar of relish in the supermarket. Like, am I gonna am I gonna dump that onto a hot dog? Why? How?
1: <laughs> what about just like mayonnaise? Like something very simple.
2: That doesn't go on a hot. That does You're messing with me, right? That doesn't go on a hot. Man, dog.
1: no. Oh, no, try mayonnaise and ketchup, brother. That that's the, that's a home run hit.
2: On a hot dog? <laughs>
1: yes, absolutely. Mayonnaise on one side of the bun, ketchup on the other side of the bun, uh, the hot
2: dog in the middle. I've never heard of I've heard of ketchup <laughs> and mustard and relish and onions and stuff like that. No, no may no mayonnaise. I've never had I, that, but I'm. I uh, yeah.
0: i do not know ahead. who's more offended, Jared by uh, Mike saying he's never had mustard but he can't imagine it's good on a hot dog, or Mike right now learning that you can put mayonnaise on a hot dog. <laughs>
2: This, where do they do that? Is that like a regional thing? Uh,
0: in my
3: house? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's gross. That's I, I that's learned, gross. don't Sorry. worry, I learned that putting mayo on a burger was weird at one point in my life, and I was like, really? <laughs> that's like the best thing.
2: Yeah. Isn't uh. its eggs? Isn't that made from eggs?
3: Yes, there are eggs in it.
2: Yes, yes. That, 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 how is that compatible with hot dog meat? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to think about <laughs> it. It's too early Mike, to think about. <laughs> they're dominated. both protein. Mike, you can go
0: places and get just an egg on your hot dog, let alone mayonnaise. They'll put absolutely. a fried egg on
3: it. Oh, yeah. those are so good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it's great. But, you, you're missing out, Mike. You're Well, you're missing out on a lot of things, but you're definitely uh, missing out on what on. to put on your hot dog. We yes. know that. Oh, uh, yeah. So, Mike Gamala, did you, did you fire up your grill just to make yourself two hot dogs?
2: I did. I Not only did I fire it up, I also had to go to the I had to get a new propane tank, and there was a lot of work that went into uh, putting hot dogs on the grill for like two minutes. All I wanted, that I wanted that authentic opening day uh,
0: vibe. Oh. All that to watch the Red Sox lose by
1: 15 to the Orioles.
2: Oh, they're bad. They're really bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, but the, Tyler, Tyler tells me they're the first team that has the new weird uniforms.
0: Yeah, have you seen yeah. the Red Sox? You're going to hate them. Have you seen their new uniforms?
2: No, I'll, I'm oh, dreading.
0: I'll, I'll send them to you. I'll just—I'll give you this hint before you see them. Uh, uh, yellow, mustard yellow. Gosh, uh, yeah.
2: I <laughs> hate all uniforms. Yes, yes, I, I really yes. do. Yes. I really hate all uniforms.
0: Yes, yes. This is from the guy who once said, if they were Team A versus Team B, one in all white jerseys, one in all black jerseys, he'd be fine. Uh, that is Mike Gramala, who hates all food and all fun. Thanks, Mike.
2: Thanks, a Mike. Take care, The condiments of clothing. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what?
3: Still going to get engaged before Cassie Soto. Uh,
2: <laughs> all right.
0: Coming up next, Sam Darnold's a Panther. Is that going to go well for the Panthers?
2: You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler.
0: Mike Gravalla, by the way, when I sent him a picture of the Red Sox new uniforms, which will be yellow and blue, he just said, that's disgusting. So he's not a fan. Uh, But we saw a trade in the NFL. The Jets sent Sam Darnold to the Panthers. And the Jets got in return a second round pick, a fourth round pick, and a sixth round pick. Those are spread out over the next two NFL drafts which basically cements the Jets are taking a quarterback at number two but I'm really curious on the Panthers side of this they trade for Sam Darnold they have the eighth overall pick in the draft and they also have Teddy Bridgewater and I I I don't know how is Sam Darnold better than Teddy Bridgewater is Sam Darnold better than a quarterback they could potentially get at eight that that's those are the two questions that I don't quite understand on the Panthers side
1: I don't Look, I'll give Sam Darnold a level of benefit of the doubt to see what he does under a new head coach. I, and I, it's become a cliche, but I do think Adam Gase is kind of a nightmare. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt there. I thought that if you don't, I mean, if you think he's going to be your franchise guy, if you th- and I would hope that they would think that because they traded for him, they gave up picks. They didn't have to give up a one. Uh, they did give up a two. So if the Jets and I mean, how silly is this to say if the Jets are smart enough, which, you know, they're not probably not going to be, but they could get players, especially with the second round pick. Um, And we saw this morning where uh, uh, the Panthers have allowed Teddy Bridgewater to go out and, um, you know, uh, talk to other teams or at least see what his agent can find. The problem with Teddy Bridgewater is his contract. I mean, it's not outrageous, but it's a lot of guaranteed money for Teddy Bridgewater at this point. So I don't know if Sam Darnold's that good, but I'm going to wait and see on him. Because I, 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 New York was a disaster. Um, and now at eight, I haven't seen, I haven't kind of looked at mocks yet. But is the tight end going to be around at eight? Uh,
0: I think most people project him to go five or six.
1: Okay, so he's not going to be. I was going to yeah. say that'd be hell of, with McCaffrey. It, that'd it, be a heck of a guy to add.
0: Yeah, it Well, it kind of depends. Like, does somebody trade up to four or five to draft a quarterback? Like, do the okay. Patriots or Broncos come up in the draft to draft a quarterback? Because if they do, then maybe Kyle Pitts falls. But as it stands now, I think most people expect it'll be quarterback one, two, three, and then you've got the lineman from Oregon and Kyle Pitts, Pitts and Jamar Chase is sort of the top three. Right. Okay, well, maybe Jamar
1: Chase. I mean, I think they'll yeah. get him a weapon
0: one way or the other. Well, they and well, that's with the Panthers. They have decent skill position yeah. guys, right? It's not they're, they're not. Bad, they're not great, but DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and obviously Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey. he's healthy. Like they're not bad, skill position wise, and it's certainly better than what the Jets had. The Jets, <laughs> I yeah. know, Michael D. Ryan. Like, yeah. like it's it's better than what the Jets had. No doubt about it. So, I, Sam Darnold, if he if he starts all sixteen games, he's probably going to be better in Carolina. But I, I think at the end of the day, the Panthers just replaced a uh, below average quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater with a below-average quarterback and Sam Darnold. And I don't think this really changes anything for them. And I, I, they, they say, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, the reports are they're going to try to trade him. I don't know who's trading for that. I don't know who wants I don't know that. who's trading like,
1: for that contract right now. Like,
3: the Saints.
0: I mean, the Raiders couldn't trade Marcus <laughs> Mariota. And yeah. so I, I i don't know. I don't know who's trading for Teddy Bridgewater. So it feels like the Panthers are just going to have two bad quarterbacks on the roster and I I I don't know I I feel like they didn't give him a ton I mean a second round pick is worthwhile but a fourth and a sixth eh who cares but it's like I I don't know what they're doing at that position I feel like they would have been better off just sitting at eight and seeing if one of the quarterbacks falls to him if it's Trey Lance great put Trey Lance in there
1: he'll probably be just as good if not better than Darnold or Bridgewater as a rookie yeah i was a little surprised yesterday that such a huge majority went to the carolina panthers won that trade easily i'm not so sure well one you have to i assume they're taking Wilson. let's just assume he's there to take him and they've fallen in love with him and he's gonna be their quarterback and he could be great we don't know but they got a second rounder on it i think it's just because of the jets and deservedly so everything they do people question because they're a disaster but if they somehow make this right and zach wilson comes in and is really good and you have a second round pick. I'm not going to sit here and say like the majority yesterday that Panthers just stole the stole the trade. I don't think that's true, because like you said, we don't really know how good Sam Darnold is yet. So to sit there and say, oh, the Panthers got the best of them just because of the Jets. I I don't think that's true. I I think
0: the Jets did well because they got a second round pick for a player that everybody knew they wanted to trade.
1: And that's that's solid. Plus two other throwaway picks. I think the Jets are fine.